Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Tapes. I am your host, Liam Koji, and I am here with my friend Cody, a.k.a. a gay named Rural. Hey there! <laughs> and I actually got your name right this time. That's fun. Hooray! Um, <laughs> but, um, gets fixed we're gonna to talk be about, uh... <laughs> eh. I mean, I once forgot the name of the podcast and didn't, uh... <laughs> didn't <got> <laughs> um, which I guess happens. Um, but, uh... My microphone is being really fucking weird right now. There we go. We're back to normal go. levels. Um, Yay! So, today we're going to go through, um... Third generation K-pop girl groups. Um... So you were like a second gen stan, or like a fan of second gen at least. Yeah, like um, I started in <clears throat> like the MySpace era because like people always had some so- K-pop songs on their pages and such. So I found like Tim and Fly to the Sky, and then obviously Boa. So from there it just like went on, and then into like Two Eighty One and Ta- um, Tiara, Kara, and such. Oh, right. I forgot that Tiara exists, because by the time I found K-pop, the bullying scandal had already happened. Mm. And at that point, they were referred to as the most famous K-pop group in China. Mm. Um, so, but third gen was when I, like, actually became a fan of K-pop and understood what was going on. Yeah. Um, so, you know... This is sort of like my area of knowledge. Um, so like, okay, so the defining third gen is weird because I was looking at a list today that defined EXID and uh, and AOA as third gen, and I probably wouldn't. I don't agree with those categorizations. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like in general, honestly, categorization with music always gets messy. Yeah, because I would associate EXID or EXIT. I don't know how people define how people how EXID is supposed to be pronounced. Um, mm. I feel like I associate them with sort of like that generation two point five with FX Misse, like that group, that cohort. Ah, uh, which yeah. I think EXID debuted. In, I think they both debuted in twenty twelve. So. Mm. You know, that's more Gen 2.5 than, like, 3rd Gen. For me, 3rd Gen sort of started with, um, sort of started with, uh, I would say, like, Red Velvet or Mamamoo, but Red Velvet mm. is the one from, like, the big three that I would say sort of started yeah. off 3rd Gen. Um, yeah. And I remember, like, 14, Red or, Velvet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because their debut was weird because people thought that they were that sm was trying to um that sm was trying to sort of distract from the jessica scandal Mm -hmm. and the xom scandal uh do you remember those not really um i was in like this weird area where i was listening to all the music but didn't always have ready access to the drama and the news so Girls' Generation, otherwise known as SNSD, mm-hmm. um, was a nine-member group, and then one of the members was like kicked out. Yeah. Which I mean, kicked out is a strong word. I just don't think they renewed her contract because it was at the the end of like the typical seven-year contract period. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and that was really controversial. Um, and then some of the their boy band EXO debuted. Um. And there were sort of like two subunits. There was like XOK and XOM. So there was like I got so confused by that. Yeah, but then some of the Chinese members like sued to terminate their contracts because they because of like unfair treatment by SM. Mm. Which I mean, like SM is honestly like still notably anti-Chinese. Oh yeah. Um, there are a lot of rumblings with um about. Do you know who Espa is? Espa, um, it's not ringing a bell. <laughs> so Espa is like their newest girl group. Um, 
one of the members is Chinese, and there have been, like, a lot of, like, saucing leaks that uh, SM employees speak super negatively about um, Ning Ning, the Chinese girl, who's, like, adorable. I love her. Uh-huh. Um, but this is actually also something that's indicative of third generation. Second generation, it felt like a lot of K-pop agencies were trying to enter the Chinese market. And, oh, like, yeah. embrace China a little bit more. Not anymore. Um, third generation, there really weren't any... Other than, like, SM's, like, bad attempt at... I mean, SM a couple more times has tried to enter the Chinese market. And, like, JYP has tried to, like, localize within the Chinese market. But even then, like, it's not... They're not pushing their Korean and other idols into China. Nor are they trying to really have Chinese members in their uh, in like their existing groups Uh, Um, like the Korean groups Um, well I mean Twice's or so JYP's like major third gen girl group was Twice yeah and there is one Taiwanese girl and after a scandal early on in like their career they just completely just dis- started to like completely disregard China with their Korean groups. Ugh. Um, because <coughs> Chu uh, Chui held up a Taiwanese flag, which apparently is a cardinal sin. <laughs> um, which I mean, it is to China. Yeah. But you know, she was a child, and production handed her a flag. Yeah. She was sixteen at the time. Like, calm down. Um. But then again, China bans people from the country for meet uh, for meeting the Dalai Lama. So yeah. they're weird. They're mm. crazy. Um, but on the other hand, like their generation is when they really sort of started to embrace globalization. Oh yeah. With second gen, it seemed like some of the bigger groups just happened to get international attention, and they just sort of went with it this generation feels like more of an intentional it feels like it has more of an intentional eye yeah. towards international expansion. I definitely feel like that like there's been a lot more building up these markets and applying themselves to it the only group I can think of in the second generation that was really sort of geared for global success was 21 yeah which like makes black like which puts like Blackpink's global success into into focus because they weren't really able to achieve it with 21. Yeah. But also 21 established their relationship with Interscope, who is Blackpink's American label. Yeah. It's like and the previous honestly, gens were more laying down all this groundwork, and now it's more about taking advantage of what was there. Yeah, and you're seeing that even more with fourth gen. So, yeah. um, you know, JYP... Itzy was like very clearly created for Western um, expansion. Mm-hmm. Their style is very Western. They all speak English. The original lineup included a Canadian girl. <laughs> um, then she dipped, which we'll get to Sony later. Right. Um, so they uh, there was like more of that like eye towards international expansion. So mm-hmm. twice from JYP was. Um, very clearly created for a broader Asian market because I mentioned the Taiwanese girl who was out at the end so Twice came from a survival show called 16 that was produced Uh by JYP and it was on Mnet and apparently the ratings for the show were not great (laughs) but um so some background they were meant to JYP was going to debut a six member girl group in 2014 and then that fell through because there was some sort of scandal with a couple of the girls Ah. and so the remaining four girls and 12 other female trainees um, were uh, sort of put on this survival show to fight (laughs) for a place in the debut group which I'm 90% sure they knew who was going to be in that group going into it just because, like, good promotion. Yeah. Yeah, because it was meant to be a seven-member group. 
Um, and then all of a sudden, at in the last episode, they had like the seven. And then JYP was like, oh, wait, no, we're going to add Suyu. <laughs> and then he said, oh, wait, no, also, we're going to add Momo, who's a Japanese girl who was eliminated like four episodes ago. <laughs> And it was like, um, did did any of this really matter? Did you did did you just like already have them chosen? <laughs> Which I mean, I can't imagine the group without CU and Momo. Momo is one of the best dancers, like probably yeah. in pop music. Period. She's like one of like the big three dancers. It was like her, Sergi from Red Velvet, and Lisa from Blackpink. I've definitely seen a lot of Lisa and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're about to see a lot of Momo. Yay. Twice is now about to promote in the U.S. Oh, wow. They performed two sold-out stadium shows in L.A. That's amazing. They sold out a stadium two nights in the second largest media market in the country. Yeah. Like, that is huge. I mean, granted, it's a soccer stadium, so it's not like... The Rose Bowl Coliseum, <laughs> but, but it's still a stadium. I mean, it's been good. Yeah, it is, and it's really fucking cool. And it, honestly, so full disclosure, I am part Japanese, um, and so I also grew up in like my elementary school was heavily Korean. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my friends were like first generation Korean, and um, so like. I cried when I saw that they sold out um, two nights at Bank of California because seeing that sort of like representation for Asians on like that scale in the United States never felt attainable. And finally, like honestly, the music industry is starting to look like my lived experience. You know, it's starting to look like you're seeing the influx of Latin artists, you're seeing the, you know, the hip-hop and like r&b which are traditionally like sort of more black leaning with more black artists are becoming more of a thing and now you're seeing like the influx of asian artists and it just like it makes me happy and it makes me feel like the industry is finally starting to reflect the real world oh definitely yeah um but anyway so but they are expanding they're signed to republic and um awesome. I think that they're promoting their next single in the U.S. Um, but uh, anyway, I forgot. Where, oh, so <laughs> but yeah, nine girls, three are Japanese and one is Taiwanese and fluent in Mandarin. So like, I feel like they um, that group was sort of created with an eye towards broader Chinese or broader Asian, um, broader Asian. Um, markets. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, and, you know, Blackpink. Lisa is actually their YG's first non-Korean trainee. And in a group of four, we have Rosé the Australian, <laughs> Jenny, who studied in New Zealand for years, and Lisa from Thailand. Jisoo is the only one who was, like, born and really raised in Korea. Um, so, and she's also the only one who doesn't super speak English. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like, this. they started to have, the truly international members started in, like, Gen 2.5 with FX and Miss A. Yeah. Miss A had two Chinese girls, and FX had Amber from L.A., um, who was Taiwanese ethnically, and um, Victoria Song. Oh yeah, I remember Amber Chinese. doing a lot of stuff with some of the, uh, I think Taiwanese singers I was listening to too, like little features and such. Yeah, and um, she's now doing Mando Pop. Yeah. Um, a lot of like the non, because this is a weird dynamic in K-pop. You could have all the success in the world as a cape, as an art idol in Korea as part of a group, but if you're a foreigner, you're not going to be able to promote there after your group disbands. Oh yeah, like you will have no solo activities there. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, and then also hopping on like the twice thing. Um, survival shows were sort of a main, sort of be, started to become a main feature of um, of K-pop. So it's you had sixteen from JYP, and then you had. There was this group called Momoland. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were formed by maybe the least watched survival show ever produced in Korea. Wow. <coughs> and they, uh, they started off uh, real slow. And then all of a sudden they went viral with a song called Boom Boom. <laughs> it was... Unhinged. I'll have you watch that in a bit, but uh. unhinged. Um, also, it really played off of the ugly girl being ugly. Oh boy. Oh wow. Yeah, it <laughs> it was questionable. She has since had a, a significant amount of plastic surgery, as Koreans do. Oh yeah. It's sort of a. I know that. I've watched the movie sort of like Two Hundred Pound Beauty. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like a. Jimbo and Hoyun from Girls Generation, like got like shaved down her jawline did something with her nose double eyelid surgery like oh my god and yes all of a sudden came out and looks like a completely different person yes that was just... <laughs> it's sort of that situation yeah um Jui, the girl that i was talking about from momoland recently did um a variety show and i saw her and was like who the fuck is that <laughs> turned out it was her oops um but yeah, so you saw sixteen, whatever that Momoland show was called, um, Produce One Hundred One, and uh, something called Idol School. Yeah, mm, seems like that. Yeah. So it was that show was questionable, and there have been some uh, claims about the uh, treatment of contestants on that show. Oh, I am so not surprised. Um, I mean, so wait, did you hear at all about, like, the, uh, Purdue scandal? Um, which one? There was a cutout there. Produce 101. The Produce 101 scandal. I might have heard, like, bits of it, but not enough to, like, yeah. So after the fourth season, fans noticed voting inconsistencies... And all of the votes were a multiple of one number. All, like, the vote counts. Oh, wow. They didn't even try. And then it just, like, uncovered this entire scandal that went back to the first season of Produce 101. <laughs> um, and it was, like... And then the last two seasons, Produce 48 and Produce X1 or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Produce X101? I don't know. Anyway. Um... Those lineups were already decided before the show even started filming. Which, I mean... Oh, yeah. It's one thing if you're doing that and, like, people are voting and it's free. It's another if, yeah. like, people are paying to vote and you're taking that money oh, and yeah. that vote doesn't count. Yeah, that is a full-on step beyond. Oh, yeah. So, a bunch of people were arrested. A few people are in jail. Uh <laughs> The agencies that sent the contestants are, like, there's some higher-ups there that are, I guess, in jail right now as well, including Starship. Um, but, I mean, it also, I mean, they all gave us iconic groups. Sixteen gave us Twice, who is the nation's girl group, who have since fallen off, which we'll get to later. I think that's sort of an interesting dynamic in third gen. Um, and then it gave us IOI, were iconic um that was an 11 member girl group mm. um formed by the show produce 101 <laughs> which um john somi won by like half a million votes i think oh, wow. um she got the first place and she uh so she had just missed out on a spot from twice on in twice and then I have to assume that as part of a deal with Emna, JYP sent her to produce 101. 
because JYP was the only of the big three that sent any of their trainees to produce 101. Oh, yeah. Huh. Um, so then she was, like, really closely associated with Twice and then was in IOI, which they got a couple of number. They got one number one, and, like, they were really popular for a minute, but they only promoted for a year. Huh. Um, which then also afterwards, JYP dragged their feet for so long, she left because she was supposed to be the center of ITZY. And mm-hmm. so we just said, you know what? This is taking too long, and I'm, like, losing steam. Like, bye. Oh, yeah. And so she went over to a sub-label of YG. Because she was a 21 stan, which <laughs> is relatable content. Um, so she got to work with her idol. She got to work with um, Teddy, who writes all of... Uh, who writes pretty much all of, like, YG's music. Oh, yeah. Um... So, you know, but then again, she's only like released like one album mm-hmm. and a couple of singles. Um, and then it gave us Momoland, which gave us Boom Boom. And then Promise Nine, who gave us Love Bomb. And Promise Nine was from uh, Idol School, where. The final lineup also was already decided. <laughs> and there were a bunch of former JYP trainees, including like three who were featured on 16. Which, I mean, I don't know if I believe in coincidences to that degree. <laughs> yeah, it does fit. And even, and even the unsuccessful one from 16 that like didn't make the final group, Promise Nine, uh-huh. ended up being signed to Mnet's like music agency arm and debuted as a soloist a couple years later like it, there are a lot of like questionable things happening with JYP and Mnet now that I'm oh, hearing yeah. about it <laughs> I'm not claiming anything I'm not claiming any of this to be like absolute fact don't sue me but um because Korean media laws are a little bit insane <clears throat> oh yeah and like the you one thing s- I know too even back in like the older era Korean, the K-pop fans can unravel anything. They love figuring out well, these things, and it's yeah. They do, but also like there are um, there uh, libel laws and uh, libel and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's libel, and the other one slander. is slander. Yeah, they're like libel and slander laws are literally fucking insane. They can sue you from Korea. Which, I mean, American law, they can't, but, like, they will sue you, and it's just sort of, and they, you know, they have every right to, but it's also a little bit, it's a little, I feel like sometimes they're not choosing their battles wisely. wisely. Yeah. Um, but, like, another major change for this generation was that, like, their concepts were very genre-based. Hmm. Whereas I feel like SNSD, Wonder Girls, Twenty One, Sistar, like all like the major like second gen groups, their concepts were more like based on the members, if that makes sense. Yeah. And in more of like a vibe than like this is how my music sounds and this is how my music is structured and this is the sort of concept that I'm going for and I have to stick with with every single release. Because, I mean, like, look at Girls' Generation and Second Generation. Who the... F- what what was going on there? Like... Hell yeah. None of their... There was no sonic through line with any of their music, but also they had a very clear identity of who they were. Oh, yeah. They were a young girl... They were a younger group of girls who were gorgeous but also relatable and... You know, it they it made sense, and like I could i I could identify them as a group, even oh, if yeah. like their music just like didn't track. Oh yeah, and even like for um, me, just someone who loves so much different music and different genres, I actually really loved that because it was like there was never any guarantee of how the tracks would come together, and you could get so many different styles at one go. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, like with Twice, it was. 
a bubbly bordering bordering on cute like bubblegum pop song nyan the center would sing would sing the first line every single time and it would be like literally the same members taking the same parts in every song and it was you know the verses sounded the verses were um, the verses and chorus sounded almost like different songs it was a little bit of a roller coaster mm-hmm. And then, you know, it'd be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, rap, chorus, bridge, cor- like it, I knew exactly what I was getting when Twice released a new song. Oh, yeah. Except for that one time that they released, um, Signal. Um, I did not, I, I did not expect that. <coughs> I, uh, I had just gotten my tonsils out like the day prior and I fully thought that I was just high from the Percocet. <laughs> I there you know, the song was weird, the video was weirder. I mean there was like an alien and they were walking around trying to like impress the alien and then all of a sudden at the end they turned into aliens and I'm just like, I don't what? Also, why are you dressed like it's two thousand seven? I was I was very confused. Um I had I had a lot of questions. Um but yeah, like Twice had their like sort of girly, bubbly concept. Red Velvet had the red and the velvet, so they had like the bright bubblegum pop mm-hmm. and the uh, sort of like more R and B side. But then also they didn't. Also, they would they would release some weird songs. They were kind of a lot of them were kind of creepy. Not gonna lie. <laughs> there was that one called Ice Cream Cake, and they all had like that really fried bleached hair. It was bad. Oof. It was real bad. I felt bad. Oh, that was boy. also the commercial breakthrough. Because <laughs> their first song was... Their first single was Happiness, and that was produced by the Neptunes. Ah. Which was exciting. Yeah. Um. But also, it definitely felt like it wasn't super planned out. And it was definitely an emergency <laughs> debut to take <laughs> attention off of the controversies. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but they're also sort of the least successful of the big three girl groups because there was like, not that, like their music was sort of inconsistent. Mm. Um, and then, you know, all the, so none of the smaller agencies that had success in the second generation had success in the third generation. Mm. So like... Second Generation was really DSP's, like, last commercially successful, um, like, generation. Kata was really their last mm-hmm. successful group. So it was sort of like... Um, I'm not... Sh- like, the K-pop version of, like, the console wars, where we had yeah. a big variety that sh- were down to, like, what, the top three. <laughs> yeah. And, like, then... Um, and Tiara's agency never recovered from the bullying scandal, and Daya just sort of like flopped. Um, Starship, Third Gen Group, WJSN just started to experience like legitimate commercial success now. Um, Cube's girl group, Cube was okay. So Starship was Sistar in the second generation. Mm-hmm. Iconic. Oh yeah. Um, and then Cube was 4-Minute, also iconic. Oh, yeah. But then you're dealing with Cosmic Girls and CLC, which, I mean, CLC was just sort of like a bad... There were some bad business decisions there. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, well, I mean, because, like, it was another group with a lot of international members, so you mm. had a member from Thailand, <clears throat> you had a member from Hong Kong. Um... And they, most of them spoke English, yet they never tried to promote them internationally. Yeah. And they just, like, didn't do super well domestically either. Mm. Um, and, I mean, their latest... the fourth gender girl group is doing really well in Korea and starting to do well abroad. But their success abroad is really at their own behest. Like, they're not going to yeah. have a lot of support from their agency. Mm. Um, but... Uh, but then you started to get some other smaller agencies start to rise to prominence. So G Friend, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with them? Um, 
I think a single or two, but not beyond that. Okay. Um, I'm gonna have you listen to Mikusis two, and from right. the YouTube playlist that I sent you, which also. That song was how I discovered them because the video went viral of them performing it and they kept slipping on stage. Oh no. It was very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. G Fred right here? Uh yeah. It should be Magustas 2 or Magusta 2. Okay, well they're adorable. <laughs> they're what? They're adorable. <laughs> right. But, um, so they came out of nowhere and became, like, one of the most prominent players in, like, the third generation. Uh-huh. I think they were Source Music's first ever group. Hmm. And a couple of the uh -huh. girls actually trained with BTS, um, at Big Hit. But huh. Big Hit wouldn't debut another girl group after... Mm. They debuted a girl group. And, um... It unraveled within two years. Oh, wow. There were um, a few scandals. Um, one of them went to jail. <laughs> a few a few scandals. A few, yeah, scandals, you know. Um, there was some jail. Yeah. <laughs> but then after G-Friend's success, Source then was acquired by, at the time, Big Hit, now Hybe. And um, debuted a new girl group last year and uh they're doing very well right off good the bat, for them immediately no work no build up well i mean one of them was an eyes one member and the other one was an akb 48 member like mm. they're they're not starting from scratch yeah there's some power Are you familiar there with akb 48 yes i remember them i'm i'm very confused with the entire situation and then <laughs> also sm then like tried to this is also third generation but not a girl mm. group um, tried to emulate that, but with, um, it was a boy band called NCT. Mm. And then that didn't really work. And then none of those subunits really did very well until recently. And now they're ending it. <laughs> Even though they were banded as, like, a concept with infinite expansion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're debuting NCT Tokyo next month, and that's, like, the last of it. <laughs> um. Huh. And, like, that was actually sort of the concept with um, Red Velvet as well. Red Velvet was supposed to have, like, sort of rotating members and, like, have new members come in, have subunits, and also start localizing, I guess. And after they hit a wall trying to... Oh, so Red Velvet debuted as a four-piece. Uh -huh. And then, like, for their first comeback, a new girl debuted with them called Yeti. Mm -hmm. But the amount of that that group and that poor child child she is 16 at this time at this point received was insane like what the actual ever living fuck because yeah. also I am convinced that she was meant to be part of the original lineup but they pushed the debut forward too much and they didn't want to debut a 15 year old because uh. back then we had some sort of morals um, and now we're debuting 13 year olds apparently <laughs> if that girl if that Thai girl actually <clears throat> debuts with baby monster I will like throw a fucking fit <laughs> she's too young yeah 14 is too young 15 is too young don't debut idols until they're 16 hmm. can you because these aren't child stars like their fans are not children their fans are like you know teenagers and adults that's like and you're putting mm -hmm. them out into mainstream media like, that's not a healthy environment for them. Yeah. I don't think that they're really able to handle it. I mean, people talk about sexualization, whatever. I don't care. They're they're dressing them and, like, they're dancing and stuff, like, like they would choose to do in the real world, in real life. Mm -hmm. Like, they're kids. It's fine. But, like, it's not their respons It's not their responsibility to edit themselves for because of based on other people's reactions sorry oh yeah start policing those reactions not 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 the way that the girls are expressing themselves anyway mm -hmm. um but uh where was i i forgot <laughs> anyway um yes g friend small yeah. agencies um sorry i went off on tangent because <laughs> fourth generation like 
this like current generation mm-hmm. they're debuting so young oh yeah there's an entire group of like 14 to of like 14 to like 18 year olds like people born in 2008 are debuting and like um going back again to like my era i remember like a yeah. lot of young but mostly in the boy groups and such because you know they want to get them established before they go do their enlistment so yeah. on those ends back then i was hearing the scandals of why are you putting this young boy with this older woman from a girl group that you know did have to debut that young yeah no like it's it's unnerving and like these are like children and yeah. like especially in this media landscape it's not okay I mean, I say that, but also Boa debuted at, what, 12? Yeah. But, again, like, defending the older era, Different like... Different time. Yeah. There was not as much social media and, like, this crippling, constant fan base having direct communication and... Yeah. But, yeah, so, the smaller agencies, like, G-Friend was one of the main girl groups... Um, they were unceremoniously disbanded about a year after I've acquired Source Music. But they also weren't doing well, which we'll get into with the concepts. Um, Mama Moo was like one of the big was one of the big groups. Um, they're from RBW, Rainbow Bridge World. Oh My Girl was like one of the main groups. Um, or is kind of they've fallen off a little bit, but also they're past their seven year contract. They all just decided to resign. Oh, yeah. So that's like when you start getting into like solo promotions and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so but like none of like the girl, none of the groups like did super well. Um, mm. And also like a large part of it was the concepts. The concepts were all okay. So in my on my in my notes, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten girl groups listed Uh uh-huh one two three four five six of them have almost the exact same concept oh wow that's a saturated market i mean like that's not yeah and like wjsn had a similar concept um cls wjsn from starship had a similar concept um CLC from Cube had a similar concept and it was like it was oversaturated and they were all sort of indistinguishable from each other Mm. I didn't know that Oh My Girl and Lovelies were two different groups until they both competed on um, on Queendom (laughs) they're identical and it's like why are you debuting these children like why are you debuting these groups that are all like identical with identical concepts like I get that it's like on the cuter end is sort of a safe bet in Korea, but like, come on now. Yeah. And now you have these girl groups in fourth generation now debuting with um, more unique concepts, and now more of them are successful than in third generation. Yay! There's more room in the market suddenly because all of a sudden they're all doing different things. Yeah. And it makes sense. And it's honestly fantastic. I love it. Oh, yeah. I'm really loving the new. I'm really like loving the new girl groups. Yeah, and I'm kind of shocked that that really even happened because you feel like previous generations did such a good job at like setting that idea of being unique and separate from each other. Yeah, and I mean, like then you also had you know there was a bit of a trend of like sort of weird music as well. So, boom boom, uh, <laughs> by. Uh, Momoland, uh, Love Bomb by Promise Nine. Um, which I mean, are you familiar with either of those songs? Um, I might. Looking at this picture, I feel like I have seen Boo Boo, but I also feel like it's been a while. Yeah, so it went uh, viral. Because <laughs> they were not doing well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then also these concepts were very like genre based like I said uh-huh. so then as these artists tried to mature and like move into different spaces and not seeing like teenagers anymore as they entered their 20s um, 
they weren't as well accepted by as well received by fans mm. um so i mean like twice had like some success moving into a bit of a different style but i mean even twice who used to get like everything they released was number one uh-huh. their last song i think charted at 59 in korea wow let me let me check i don't know why <laughs> Um, and like Red Velvet has trouble sort of they were actually sort of better at rebranding they released a song called Bad Boy uh-huh. um, and that sort of gave them a way forward with sort of mid-tempo R&B tracks which is incredible I mean like twice mid-tempos are my favorite genre of music <laughs> um <coughs> Oops. Um, but yeah, like none of them really had like longevity. Mama Moo didn't really have a strong concept, if we're going to be honest, other than just their vocals, <laughs> which is how it should be. Oh yeah. So they were able to like traverse genres, and it was still on brand for them, as long as they got that harmonization in there. Uh huh. All you needed. Which also, Mama Moo is like one of the most like vocally like the most vocally strong groups of the third generation. So like another aspect of third gen is um they're not the strongest vocalists red velvet is um but uh they're also from sm and that's what sm does oh yeah i mean sm idols generally can't really dance (laughs) but they can sing um Oh, wait, no. Talk That Talk charted at 20. We're fine. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh... No, like, the the concept... Ba- the genre-based concepts... I don't like. I don't... I don't. Why are you going to, like, limit yourself to that? Yeah. Of course, now in fourth generation, you're getting into weird story-based concepts that don't really make sense outside of, outside of like, their intended concept... Con- their intended context. Yeah. I mean, Espa, half of their songs are talking about Kwangya. What the hell is a Kwangya? <laughs> They're talking about, like, a digital universe. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, but, um, let's see. But also, this is sort of, the third generation is when we really start to see a maturing industry. With like, act- with, like, actual competition and, you know, in prior generations, SM, JYP, and YG have had a stranglehold over the market in Korea. Oh, yeah. Um, however, their power sort of diminished. I mean, JYP was the smallest of the big three in the second generation, but they bypassed YG in revenue in 2019, I believe. Oh, wow. Is that um, recent? Yeah. And then, um, BTS's agency, Big Hit, just started, like, gobbling up all of their agencies. <laughs> <laughs> and are now, it's now apparently the big four. Mm. And, you know, one of the agencies that they gobbled up that really put them ahead of the pack was Source Music with G-Friend. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently, SM owns, or at least has a controlling stake in, Mis- and not Mystic, we knew that, um, Woolim Entertainment, where Lovelies are from. Oh, wow. Huh. Which was, like, a secret. Because, like, Hybe was like, let's buy everyone. <laughs> um, so that included, like, Pletus. Oh, Pletus also fell off a fucking cliff. Because Pletus had after school and, uh, I don't know how the group is, Newest, New East? Oh, I know which one you're talking about. I have the visual in my yeah. head. Um, and then all of a sudden, I mean, 17, their boy band got off to a slow start. I actually like them. Chris, mm-hmm. they're fi- I'm okay with them. Yeah. And they're now doing really well. Um ever since the Hive acquisition. Mm. 
Plutus tried to go like cheap as hell, debuting groups that were self-composing and self-choreographing, but because they didn't want to pay for choreographers and songwriters. <laughs> and then they had a, they debuted a girl group called uh, Pristin, who was like on that sort of verge, like that border of third and fourth generation. Oh yeah, and. <clears throat> They let them flop. Ooh. Their debut, they were considered like one of the like the most promising debuts because they had two members from IOI and it, you know like a year into it, they've just disbanded. Oh wow. <laughs> and it was like, what? What just happened? <laughs> um which I mean also a major difference between like the early survival shows and the sort of like later fourth gen survival shows Mm -hmm. ioi there is one girl who's really had like a lot of success the rest of them like the groups that they were that were meant to be like sort of um, big that were meant to yeah you know meant to be bigger based on the promotion from uh ioi yeah flopped they all flopped Kristen disbanded, Gugu Don disbanded, um, Wikimiki is like not doing anything. They were never able to break through. Um, Somi sort of fell off, although I think that there's hope for her because she's signed to Interscope as well, who will eventually force an album from YG. Because <laughs> YG also doesn't release music. I mean, Blackpink went two years without releasing music, and then they yeah. released an eight track album also but okay so here's conspiracy theory time um I think that they're going to re-release the album or release like a new album before Uh Coachella Mm. because I know that Ryan Tedder from um ooh what's his band I can't remember (laughs) <laughs> secrets huh well Ryan Tedder from whatever band he's from he also co-wrote like um, Halo um, he's one of the most prominent songwriters in western pop music mm-hmm. he said that he, two of his songs made the album and then they were nowhere to be found on the album huh and, like, I can't imagine YG just, like, dropping Ryan Tedder songs. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, insane. Um, so I have a theory that they will be releasing new music before their Coachella performance. Oh, I found it. Blood Republic. Thank you. Yes. I knew there was a number. <laughs> um, but, yeah. They it's wild, but yeah, their ten girl groups were a weird were a weird vibe. Yeah, because like half of them are cute, which like gross, and then they all have the same fucking concept. And the only like yeah. girl crush and like more mature like and like edgier concepts did really well in the second generation. And then all of a sudden in third generation, they were like everyone was like nope. Except for YG, who debuted Blackpink, who's now the biggest girl group in the fucking world. Yeah. I was like, But then all hey. of a sudden, like... Yeah. yeah. But then all of a sudden, fourth generation, everyone is, like, girl crush or teen crush, and it's like, okay, now we have too much of that. Mm-hmm. But let's try to be unique. Which I... Okay. We're... I went off the rails very early in this, so we're just gonna go with it. Um... <laughs> uh... I would say we're in a different generation now. I think we're out of fourth gen with the new group, with like the new groups debuting. Oh yeah. Because fourth generation, like everyone was girl crush, teen crush, and like very, uh, a lot of the same. Yeah. And then now over the last like two years, we've had these actually quite frankly, really exciting debuts. Oh yeah. You know, really? we've had 
Yeah, we've had the Seraphim, we've had New Jeans, we've had um, Ive, and uh, I would say like, I would probably say Espa is the last major girl group in the fourth generation and that we've now entered the fifth generation. Um, and like, I would say Espa maybe ushered in the fifth generation with their concept because their concept is like very story based but they're stylistically more attached to fourth generation mm. but like a major component of girl groups that have debuted over the last three years now or two-ish years now they're all story based huh. um, so like SM's new girl group Espa has um, their fighting some sort of weird digital black snake. I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> they finally finished that storyline up. And honestly, it was just to create a world. Like, I can... I feel like the story was literally just to launch a fan interaction platform for SM. <laughs> and to create, like, a shared universe of sorts. It's really strange. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but also, fun fact: Hive just bought fourteen percent of SM and are now the uh, and are now the um, largest uh, shareholder. Oh wow! <laughs> just just the financial aspects of K-pop alone is like its whole world of. <laughs> well, like the wild thing about it is like, if you look at the revenue of K-pop agencies, it's small. We're talking, you know, if you if you're looking at like US record labels, even indie like Western record labels, even indie labels. Tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. I think like when YG surpassed when JYP surpassed YG, it was like five. <laughs> um, let me see what let me see what the uh but also, Hive is starting to like go international. They just bought a they just bought a label here, a Western label. Huh. It was a hip hop label. Like what? They're they're just well, they kind of have to because they don't actually know how to run their agency themselves. So they have to get people who do know how to run agencies. Because I'm going to be controversial on the pod. Uh oh. BTS's success was a fluke. Actually, I fully agree with that. Um, it was really mostly the social media strategy, and it's like not to say that they're not talented. It's not to say any any of that. But they're a boy band from a smaller agency with a similar concept to a number of other boy bands from um, larger agencies. However, the outside social media firm that they contracted with ran a great social media campaign and got them notoriety. They weren't notable in Korea until they were notable in the U.S. And that oh, was yeah. due to their social media strategy. But then they got Even rid though of like, social media. They... Yeah. Go on. Uh, so, like, their premiere was, like, just when I was, like, tailing off and keeping up with uh, Korean music. But, like, literally, that was what struck me. I was like... Oh, this is cute, but... And all of a sudden, like, I just started hearing about them here in America. And it was like, wait, that's the group? Yeah. <laughs> I started hearing about them. I, I started sort of seeing them on, like, social media, but, like, nothing was coming up in my racks. Like, they weren't charting. And it was like, where the fuck did they come from? Yeah. Which, like, great. I'm excited for it. Like, not only, like, do I... I like them. I, yeah. I think that they're like, they, they're they very charming. Um, And their music is okay. is okay. It doesn't always appeal to me. Same. And, you know, they ushered in this, like, new generation of um, Asian media in the U.S., which I, you know, I love. I it's some, I, I want to see this sort of representation. Um, Which, I mean, they were not yeah. the first. Let's be clear. The first K-pop group to chart in the U.S. was Wonder Girls in 2008 with 
um, nobody. Um, but, you know, it was, you know, Hive, but then when they debuted TXT, they had cut off ties with um, the social media agency and they didn't do very well right off the bat. Yeah. Even coming from <coughs> a notable, you know, position. Um, mm. But yeah, so like then fifth generation, like there's a lot of storytelling and also like more diverse, like Sonic concepts. Right. And also like these like story based concepts leave a lot of room for like stylistic diversity. Cause I think these agencies learned from their past mistakes and stopped relying on sort of those genre based concepts because those genre based concepts are unsustainable. Yeah. It's and like, so even if you do I like a genre that, based, even mm-hmm. if you do like a genre based, that could work for like one album, one EP, but carrying it on, like, ugh. No, and like, honestly, I think that it's led to like, you don't really see, I mean, granted, a lot of these groups are still active, but you don't see the same sort of reverence for them that you saw at this point for like the second gen groups. Yeah. There's, you know, I think that, you know, with these concepts, they got a little bit tired, and I think that it turned people off before really their life cycles were over. You know, G Friend mm-hmm. in 2015, from like 2015 to 2018, were like one of the it groups. Like they were one of the primary groups. And by the time that they were disbanded in 2020, they had faded almost into obscurity. Yeah. And it's like, it's because they were never able to move on from that sound. Yeah. And, you know, especially for them, that was more of a cuter concept. I don't want to see 25-year-olds dancing to Mikusta too. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, let them, it, there was no way for them to, like, grow up because, like, every time they tried to stray away from that sound, it, like, didn't go over very well. But they... Yeah couldn't stick to that sound because people were tired of it and it was sort of like a catch-22 and you're starting to see that with twice as well and i think that jyp would be smart to start promoting twice outside of korea for a couple of years and then bring them Mm -hmm. back and start promoting them again yeah start focusing on the u.s start focusing on western markets Mm -hmm. um and then you know you can go back and like revisit when you know like the dust has settled there yeah but you know and I mean, Blackpink, people are getting tired of the same thing. I don't think that they're going to be able to release another song like Black like Black Venom, How You Like That, Do 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 Do, Kill This Love. Yeah. Because, like, it's... You're giving us the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And, like, I don't know why YG is doing this, because YG was so good at, was so good with 21. Mm-hmm. It was always very recognizably 21. But yeah. it never sounded the same. Oh, yeah, precisely. Like, here we are, and, like, you know, honestly, like, I really like all four of those songs that I just named. Mm-hmm. They're indistinguishable from each other. I, you know, but, yeah, I don't, I think that the legacy of this generation is going to be a mixed bag. Yeah. Because, like, they simultaneously had greater impact than the previous generations while having less meaningful impact. Mm. So they had more of a market impact, but I don't think I don't think most fans feel as like strongly attached to them as they have in in previous generations. And I think that's going to It's be like difficult. they're It's like they're more in this situation where it's um the kind of bands where you have favorite songs as opposed to favorite albums. I mean, that's just how K-pop works in general. Yeah. K-pop's not an album-based industry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, even Blackpink's eight-song albums, there's some forgettable songs in there. (laughs) I can't get over eight-song album. That is... That's not an album, that's a fucking EP. Yeah. 
We're talking about an also, industry I... that did part one, part two albums, and now we're going yeah. down to eight tracks. <laughs> and like, you know, it's also... I just, um, I struggle with it, honestly. Just because, like, I mean, I prefer the, I, I prefer EPs. I prefer more frequent releases with EPs. Oh, yeah. Um, if, promote every six months, um, promote every six months, you know, release an EP, release, like, a six-track EP, yeah. keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it pushing. Bless you. Thank you. Oh, but also, 100%, Interscope told YG, Blackpink needs an album. <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the legacy of this generation is going to be interesting. I think that Blackpink and Red Velvet will do well as time goes on. I, I think that Twice is going to have to work to rebuild, to like build up a legacy for themselves. Yeah because it got so trapped in that one sort of genre, that one sort of style, that, like, anything <laughs> did outside of it didn't land well. Bless you. That's the second well, one. We I'm should be good. Just... <laughs> okay, good. But, you know... And I think... But I think that certain things within the um, third generation, like, certain characteristics will sort of, you know, have a good legacy. So, like, the rise of um survival shows specifically yeah. like the produced series um which like they're still doing and that's no longer allowed to produce to make produced series but then they started this new <laughs> series that was basically produced but like not yeah but like exact same format with different producers yeah um and i think that the sort of international aspect of it like you're seeing you know second generation you started to see like non-native Korean idols so like Korean idols who were born yeah. elsewhere yeah. and now you're seeing mixed race idols you're seeing Hapas which like makes me so happy mm -hmm. um, and you're seeing yeah. a lot of idols from like other Asian countries and really oh. the first the first girl group to do that really was um, FX Oh, yeah. And then Miss A, and then, you know, now it's, like, almost more rare to have groups with only Korean idols. And I think that that's going to be, like, a major mark of, the, a major mark of like, gener of third-gen um, legacy. Mm. And also sort of, like, the international scope. Oh, yeah. Because as, like, a lot of these groups are made with international expansion in mind, and... Um, and they, uh, you know, you're starting to see in like the fourth generation and what I'm going to start referring to as the fifth generation, um, they're signing pretty early. Like Western yeah. labels are hopping on oh, because yeah. they see what BTS did. They see what Blackpink is doing. They see what these groups are accomplishing. Um, so, but, and I'm talking about like, you know, we're still seeing all of the third generation groups have reached the end of their seven year contracts. Yeah. Um, except for maybe like one or two, but, um, you still, a lot of them are signing for the tenure are re-signing. And I think that we're not really going to see what the legacy of the generation is for another couple of years. But I do think that it will be an overall, um, an overall like positive legacy. Oh yeah. Okay. So did you learn anything, or did I just talk circles? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually like yeah, because even like now with me like being more into Western music and expanding my things, I mostly am a person that just listens to stuff. And then I find out that there's drama and things. I'm like, oh, really? I had no clue. <laughs> and yeah. so like finding out the workings of things, like the behind the scenes, the BTS. Yeah. 
add the politics of stuff like this is interesting. Yeah. Um, we should do one of these on um, the Red Sun scandal. Ooh. Um, Sungri from uh, Big Bang. Oh boy. Um, had to leave Big Bang. Um, I think he was attached to like prostitution. I don't know. I I forgot. It happened a couple of years ago. Because <laughs> uh, I remember like they had this big promo about Big Bang is coming back, and then it was like psh, silence. Okay, so that the Red Sun scandal happened before that. Oh, it did. Ever. Um, yeah, but so he had left. So like Big Bang's comeback was going to just be four members. Mm-hmm. However, their contract started to expire, and like they were like, "We're not getting any promotions. We're being kept in YG's dungeon." Like, bye. Yeah. Well, most of them. I think G Dragon is still with. I think G Dragon is still with YG. I know TOP left. Yeah. But yeah, it's. But I'm very excited for Hype to buy out YG. But, you know, we are both similarly chronically online, but yeah. you're chronically online interacting with porn boys, and <laughs> I'm chronically online reading weird media shit. Hey, there we go. It's a little bit of variety. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. And good. And, um, and thank you for listening. Um, I'll be back again next week. <laughs>